All oh, right, great song there. Thank you for that. And it is, we only have this time, you know, the one day when we've left this earthly plane, we won't have another chance. And uh, we only have one life that will soon be passed, only one life to give to Christ. So, you know, I think about the, think about the opportunities that we have today and think about the the time that God has given us this space of grace to be able to serve Him, and I hope that we do, hope that we do take advantage of this opportunity that we have while we're here on this earth. And many people still need to know, and so it's um, it's our privilege to do that. Let's uh, turn our Bibles again to Mark chapter eight, and if you could also just uh, turn to Philippians chapter three. And if you have your Bible handy, we'll be turning to a few different places in Scripture this morning. I'm going to talk about these three words, profit, gain, and loss. And, you know, when, you, when you're teaching your, your children uh, a little bit about, uh, about life, you, you try to teach them about money and how, that is, uh, how that, that's supposed to, you know, purchase things that you need and purchase things that uh, you're, you're wanting and all of that. And, and sometimes you're, you're trying to teach them really uh, about the value of that. And it's difficult for, for children to grasp value. You know, it's often you, you give your kids, you, you give them, in one hand, you give them a, a, do, a $2 coin, and then you show them the 50-cent coin, and they'll look at that, and they'll look at it, which one's bigger, right? And, and they'll often, children, especially really young ones, will pick the, the one with a bigger designation. It has a 50 on it, and it's a bigger coin. And then the other one only has a 2 on it, and it's a smaller coin. And so in their mind, there's two reasons to pick that bigger one. But we understand from, from the fact that we've been taught and we're a bit more mature that one has a greater designation than the other. One has greater value regardless of size and weight and all of that because we understand the, the concept of value. And, you know, sometimes when it comes to the things of, of God... There's, there's different ways that we view things. We, we often have a different perspective of things in our lives. And, and if we're not careful and we're not in the Word of God and allowing His mind to, to, to be our mind and to teach us His Spirit of God, the Spirit of God to teach us how, how it is that He views life, then at times we can have a different value system to God. We can misunderstand how how life can work and we can get, be carried away, away with, the, you know, with just the direction that everyone else is going with. And if we're not careful, we can sort of just go along life and then by the end of it, it'll be too late to recognize. And, and I want to give you that thought this morning as we think about profit, gain, and loss. And these three words are re- really mentioned in these a couple of verses of Scripture that we read. He, he really sets up the the thought with the idea of discipleship, of how being a true disciple is one that follows after Christ and regardless of the cost. And then notice with me verses 36 and 37, and then we'll, we'll skip over to Philippians chapter 3 very soon, and then we'll come back to Mark chapter 8 in a little while. But notice with me verse 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? 
And those are, those are pretty weighty questions, isn't it? You think about those, those concepts of profit, gain, and loss. And he's saying, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And, and we can simply define those. You can look in the dictionary and understand what those words mean. What profit is usually defined as something that's useful, beneficial, it's promotion. It's something at the end of it where you come, come, come away with, uh, with something greater in your hand than what you had previously. We understand gain, and sometimes gain can be used interchangeably with profit, but gain is something that you obtain. It's something that you procure. It's something that is acquired. Whereas loss is the suffering of damage, defeat, or waste. And all of these, it's, it's, these are defined in the dictionary. We can see it, but God doesn't just view it that way. And he's asking the question, the Lord Jesus is, what profits? What gains and what, what is loss? And, and I think at some point, each and every one of us, we've got to ask those questions too. We've got to ask those same questions about life as well. What is actually profitable what is actually gain and what is actually loss? What are some things that we would say is a profit to us and what are some things that are a gain and what is a loss? And yet, better yet, we have to line up with how God sees those as well. Because you know as well as I do that in God's economy sometimes it's a bit different. You know, this is the same God who said the first shall be the last and the last shall be the first. This is the same one that we understand that all things work together for good. And when he says all, he means all. And we, we sometimes grasp with these different concepts in, in life and in the Word of God, but he brings us to an understanding, and that's what God will do um, when we go into his Word and we really surrender to it. And, you know, we, sometimes we, we look at life and the decisions of others and perhaps your own decisions and sometimes we weigh it up when we go, well, how did, that, how did that work out? You know, I was just uh, contemplating this week about the fact that, you know, we've, we've made this, this move and we've come away from it in, 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 a, in a very different way. You know, we've, we've been here for a couple of years and we were just weighing up, where are we as far as just life in general? And we do that from time to time. It's coming to the end of the year, and, and what, what are we going to do? We're going to take up a balance of the year. We're going to take some time as the, the season quietens down, and we have a little bit more time maybe in our, own, uh, in our own space to just sit and just take out a balance of the year. And we could look at that balance. We can look at it from a financial point of view. We can look at it from a, from a, a development point of view. Have we, have we grown as a person? For those of us who have children, we can look at our children and we can sometimes, and uh, we, we will mark out how tall they were uh, in comparison to how tall they were last year, and we'll have markings on our walls. And we can measure that all, and we can take a summary of that, and we could look at our, our year and go, whoa, it was a year of loss or a year of gain, but what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And, and there's just a lot about life that, that you know, incidentally even is all about gain. And we spoke a little bit about that in the last many months. We've, we've had 
times where we talked about gain, how, how God allows us to get gain, how God allows that in times as we are sojourning in this life, and if we would use gain correctly, then it's a true gain indeed. But we're going to look at, at these three and, and help, uh, hopefully by the end of it, understand how God views each. And, and I would say that as we even look at and, and maybe summarize and take a balance of our year, we would look at... Uh, Look beyond that and look at the balance that we're going to have one day in light of eternity. Because the reality is one day it will be said and the books will be opened and you, we will see what profit there is. We will see. You might, it might be a little bit of guesswork now. It might be a little bit of thinking, but we will see very clearly one day the summary and the balance of how we've lived our lives. And, and to this morning, I want to I challenge you as we think about even in the, in the context of the year to come, if we ought to make changes and we ought to have a, a, a mindset shift and we might change our perspective about what life is all about. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless and we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we're so thankful, dear Lord, for the opportunity that we have to open your word. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would illumine our, our hearts and our minds this morning. We recognize, dear God, that, Lord, in our, own, in our own understanding, we're limited. In fact, you told us to trust in you rather than our own understanding. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, not to lean on that, but to lean on you. In regard to these, these concepts of life, that you would help us, dear God, to just have a, a right viewpoint so that might, we might live well for you. And I'm thankful, dear Lord, that we have this opportunity to, uh, Lord, to be together, to enjoy our fellowship in you, and I do pray that and then that you would just quieten our hearts and help us to be challenged as we open your word this morning. Help us to be changed, help us to be more like you, and I pray that you would just work in us today in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And notice, notice Philippians chapter 3 now, and again, I mentioned we're going to turn to a lot of different scriptures, so I hope that you're ready for that. Philippians chapter, chapter 3, and Hope that you do take a little bit of time uh, this, this morning to look around and to talk with others and to talk with the, the leaders about perhaps where you can fit in. But look at, look at uh, Philippians chapter 3 and, and notice verse 4. And, and here, really, Paul is writing in the context of being in jail. And yet we know about the book of Philippians. It's a, a book of, that, that is an exhortation to rejoice in the Lord always. And, you know, again, the... the uh, the the how, how how that paradigm of this these opposites of him being in jail and yet this consideration for joy, but we what we find in chapter three is he he speaks a lot about uh, really about his example, and he says in verse one he says finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you to to me indeed is not grievous, for, 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 but for you it is safe. And he makes some warnings, and then he begins to talk a little bit about some of the things that are about him and about his life. And in verse 4, he says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons that I can look at myself very confidently, is what he's saying. And notice how he lays that out, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. 
saying, you know, I was, I was born in a, in a, in a good family. I, I had great advantages when it comes to, to the things of God. And he says even born into that certain tribe, he was, he was someone who even was grown up and was trained according to the law of Pharisee, someone in that day highly regarded for their understanding of the things of God. Then he says in verse 6, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He's really speaking about his former life. He's saying that formerly, before he became who he was in Christ, he was someone who had great zeal, he had great passion for his beliefs and for those things that he thought were right. But notice what he says in summary of all that, but what things were gained to me. So he considers that all gain. He says, what, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. He says, do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And so you understand that he's really discussing, in discussing himself, the different concepts of loss and gain. He's saying there are things that I consider great gain. There are some things as I look at the things that have been given me, the things that I've acquired, my experiences, my, my status in life. So as I see that as gain... But there's, some, there's things that I now consider as loss. And so you see that there are two really opposite sides of the ledger. One is gain and one is loss, but he's, he's counted it as loss. And you know, we'll start with this idea of gain. You know, life is full of gain, isn't it? Right, right from the beginning, when you're birthed into this world, there's a lot of gaining you start to gain life. You start to gain some sustenance. You start to gain and grow. And, and before too long, you start to gain different memories and experiences and different even skills that just come naturally. And, and life is all about gain. The, the Bible tells us, even in the book of James, that life is but a vapor. But he speaks to those who will sell and get gain. And, you know, gain is a big part of life. Gain is, is, is something that is given us, and, and yet when we look at what Paul describes as gain, we begin to be instructed regarding his former life, and then in the light of him being a Christian, that these things that everyone else would call gain, he, he's got to do something about it. He, he's got to count it as something else. And, and it wasn't that, that gain was unimportant. It's just that gain wasn't the most important. It was that gain, those things that he had acquired, those things that he had obtained, those things that he had won, those things that he had procured in his life, he's saying gain must be used and gain must be properly valued. It's got to be seen from the perspective of eternity. And yet, so oftentimes, we, even as God's people, let alone the world, that's all we stop at. It's all about the gain that we get from this world. It's all about the gains that we have. And you know, we, we live in a society that is obsessed with gain. We live in a society that one is not enough, we better get another one. 
And, and gain, though, is something that is, is given us for this time. And again, we note those areas that, that uh, even the Apostle Paul identified. He notes here, firstly, fleshly reasons. He says, though I might have also confidence in the flesh. We see that gain is all, is considering here oh, these things from an earthly point of view. He's saying from the flesh point of view, there's reasons that I can say I've gained. You know, he, he's, he's going to outline these a little bit, but, you know, there's many fleshly reasons we can call as gain, right? We can gain property. We can gain stuff. We can gain money. We can gain education. And, and none of those things in and of themselves are evil and, and not right, but in themselves alone, and if that's all we're after, then it's not enough. It's not, it's not going to satisfy. It's not enough for us to look at life when in the summary of it, because what we'll get to is profit. He says, what shall it profit a man? And notice this, he's not going to leave anything ambiguous. He says, if he gain the whole world. Now, all of us here would say here right now that none of us have gained the whole world. <laughs> right? There's things that we look at and we go, boy, that would be nice to gain. That would be nice to have. And we, we go out of our way and we make plans and, and we, we, make, uh, we have ambition and we have some goals that we set for ourselves in order to get that gain. And I'm not saying, that, I'm not judging you this morning to say that that's necessarily wrong, but he's, he's saying, you know, it doesn't profit. He says, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world? You know, there was uh, probably one person in, in the history of the world uh, that, that probably was closest to that. And, and I'm, I'm going to say the name. It's the, the person is Solomon. You know, Solomon was, was gifted great things that were great gain. And yet he looked at all of that. He looked at all of the, the riches that, that he was given. And he, he looked at all of that. He tried every pleasure under the sun. And what was his summary? All is vanity. Right, it's summarized for us in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. He looks at the vanity of this life, and yet he tried. He, he, he got all the gain that we all would hope for, and, and, and yet we see that he looked at all of that, and it was all at nothing. And, and he's saying here, the, the Apostle Paul, he's saying there's fleshly reasons for me to be confident there's many things that I've gained in this earthly tabernacle and at face value we can look at that and go, wow, that's a, that's a great thing. And, and that's all that we, we, can really, uh, we can really measure ourselves. And gain is seen though as something that, we can, that pertains to pleasures and treasures. And we can gain all of that. And In fact, the Bible warns us, look at Proverbs chapter 1. Look at Proverbs chapter 1. And if our lives is all about just gain then we better be careful. If our lives is all about just the gain that we have in this life, and that's, that's what we're, we're aiming at, that's what we live for, and that's what we wake up to every morning, then we've got to be careful because the Bible warns us about those that are in the way of sinners. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 and notice verse 15. He, earlier on he says to, 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 um, to his son, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. 
And then he'll go on and skip down to verse 15. My son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Say, surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. And they lay wait for their own, uh, their own blood. They, like, they lurk privily for their own lives. Notice what he says in verse 19. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. Now, the Bible's warning us in this great book of wisdom that if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You, you better not look around at the, the lives of those who are without faith and, 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 and be enticed by it. He's saying, uh, and later on we'll go to Psalm chapter 73. There was someone who struggled with that. And yet he's saying here, gain. Greedy of gain. You know, this world we live in, it magnifies greed. It magnifies the idea that the more you get, the more you are. And it magnifies the idea that, that you know, the, 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 the more you're after it, the better person that you are. And you better be, be careful that, that life is not all about gain. He's saying there's fleshly reasons. In, in Proverbs 15, 27, He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall live. You ever met someone who... Uh, over the course of their lives, they just were obsessed with more and more and more. And when they couldn't get it, they tried to shortcut their way. You, you see all of these hypocr hypocritical ads about gambling on our television. And as, uh, as you watch sporting events, they're warning against gambling and, and that, that hastiness to get riches. And yet, what do we see? That industry it is a, is a billion and multi-billion dollar industry. Why? Because people are just obsessed with getting, getting, getting. And what, what does the Bible say? If you're greedy of gain, you trouble your own house. How many households have been broken up? How many households, you know, really typically uh, go through great trouble because of a, a decision about something that is, was just a gain that maybe was not needful? How many households are troubled by those who really, in all effects, have practically absentee fathers because they're just never home. They're just trying to make the bacon. And you're just, I understand that we're living in a time and, you know, it's all about cost of living today. I'm saying that it, it, it takes takes a lot more probably today than it is to live. You know, it blows my kids' minds when I tell them about the corner store where you could go and, and you, you give them five cents and you get a lolly bag. That blows their mind. Uh, it, uh, tell them about the, the first burger joint that opened up in, my, in, in the local town that we lived in over there in, um, in Plumpton. There was a, another suburb nearby called Rudy Hill, and they had a little burger joint that opened up. It was called Big Chiefs, all right? And I had, a, I had a car. My parents were nice enough to get me a car to drive, and so I was a popular kid who drove the boys over to go get lunch. And you know how much lunch cost us? It was a burger and a drink and chips. Cost us two bucks. Yeah, all the kids are like, what? That's a dream come true. And you look at that, and then I remember when GST came, and it was $2.20. Boy, there was raging happening, but 
you understand that, that, that it, it, it costs a lot more to live these days. Right? But, but we can get carried away with that. And we could suddenly go with the, the flow and feel like we've got to keep up with this world. And gain can get us in trouble. Gain could, could, could see us find ourselves compromised. And, and yet we understand we're supposed to supply. And the Bible tells us that we're worse than an infidel if we can't provide for our own. And yet there's a balance of that and understanding that gain has its limitations. That gain is, it has this time here on earth. And understanding, again, that gain is a part of life, but greediness of gain for earthly things. It's not what it's about. In fact, the Bible warns us in Luke 12, 15, He said unto them, Take heed, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. That's not what life is about. That's not where it's at. And, and yet he also talks about what else is gain. Go back to Philippians chapter 3. In verse 5 he says, Circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, what else we would consider gain in this life is our family realities. You know, he's celebrating the fact that he was born in the right family. And we're all aiming for that in some way. We all have at least a, a, a sense of our connection with our heritage and our family. And, and sometimes we rejoice in it, sometimes we don't. And he, he's looking at that and he's saying, you know, that's something of a gain. And, you know, we sometimes uh, turn up our noses at those who seem to just were born in the right family and they seem to have it easier. They, they've been given a, 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 a lift in their lives, they've given a head start. And here we are working, 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 and we can't seem to. And we look at all of that and, and we aspire, in a sense, to have that. And what he was saying, he was born in, in that lineage. That was a gain in him, in his life. And I want to say, just, just to, to those of you here this morning, you know, God is the one who put you in your family. And that's meant to be viewed as a gain. That's meant to be something that we, we, uh, we're just glad to, in a sense, that, 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 you know, out of our hands, God has gifted us with that. And we ought to. We ought to make much of that. We ought to aspire as God's people to have a godly lineage and to have real gain in that. He says family realities. But then notice what he also says there, he says, an Hebrew of the Hebrews. So now he's getting religious. He's saying, as touching the law of Pharisee. Not only was he saying family realities and fleshly reasons were gains, but he was also talking about fanatical religiosity. He was saying he was zealous in the things that he believed. And yet you look at life and again, there are those who would just ascribe to religion and they're, they're in their religion they have great gain. They think that's the way in which they're able to have some sort of meaning in life. And, and religiosity can be something that we're, we're, we have great gain in. You, you understand that Paul, who was Saul, he, he, was, he was a bit of a unicorn in that area. He, he went through the ranks really quickly. He, he was someone that, that sat at the, the feet of some of the greatest teachers of the law. 
And he looked at that and it, 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 tra- it formed into this great zeal to persecute the church who at that time he thought was an enemy. And you look at all of that and you, you think about his, uh, all of that, that gain of knowledge and all of that gain of, of, of status in his life. And you know, many, many people in the world today who are just religiously fanatical. But the truth about Paul was this, he was sincerely lost too. And there are those who would just make sure that they're somehow religious, that somehow they will just tick the boxes and, and make sure they're at least a good guy. And there are those who are obsessive about making sure that they're, they're, they're this and that, But, you know, all of that came to naught. Why? Because really he was just religious, but he was still lost. You know, there's a lot of people in our world today. There's people who will go through to war. And we know that. It's right. It's very real right now. Those, because of their religious beliefs, will go to lengths that would mean that they're fighting and they're, they're, they're costing their lives literally. We have those, and you'll, you'll see them sometimes. They'll, they'll move to another country, and they'll wear a short sleeve shirt and wear a badge. And they'll go, and they'll just go over. And you, sometimes you'll, you'll sit with them, and you go, why are you doing this? And there's something in it for them. There's a, there's a, there's a gain. And there's a gain even in religious fanaticism. And even when it came to those things, it was a gain. And even today, there are those who... Uh, would, would, that would be just them. They want to make sure. And yet they're sincerely lost. But then notice he changes gear here in verses 7 and 8. After, upon reflection of all of that, he was saying concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which, which is in the law, blameless. But notice as he sort of reflects on that, then he realizes, but what things were gained to me? He says all of these things were gain because those I counted lost for Christ. You know what he, he really began to understand is, is in, in his teaching us is that there's a bit of a rearrangement of values. There's a faith rearrangement. And what that rearrangement is is those things that are temporal, they're given for this time. You know, we can be thankful for it and we can recognize that gain but put it in perspective. Because in perspective of eternity and in, in perspective of, of winning Christ, they're all, it's a counting of a loss. You know what he's saying? I was willing to give that up. I was willing to put that aside. I was willing to take that from this side of the ledger to this side of the ledger because there was a greater gain that he had in mind. And he was saying, be thankful. He, he recognized that they were gain. But he also recognized that this was for eternity, that all gaining actually is temporary. You know, you know those, those, those things that we obsess over, those things that we so readily count as gain in this life, you understand that all of that is temporary. You understand that actually the reality of it is it'll eventually turn to the other side of the ledger and will be counted loss. And what he's saying, we better count it as loss now. We better count it as something that we're willing to, to give up. We're willing to count as loss. 
And you know, so much of life we go over about gaining and gaining and gaining. And at the end of it, it'll always end up being a loss anyway. You know, none of us can take anything to the grave. And you've probably heard that before, but I'll say it again. None of us can take anything to the grave. None of us, all of our favorite things will still be things when we expire from this life. All of those things that we gained, that we, we, we take so much care of, I'm not saying be an unfaithful steward, be faithful in it. You know, one day it's just not going to count. It's not going to count for anything. You know, I think about those great monarchs who we look at and we celebrate and we think about all of their achievements and all of the ways that they live their lives. And, you know, I think about Queen Elizabeth who was the longest running monarch for, and you, you think about all of the things she's seen. You know, one of her great predecessors, Queen Victoria, famously, she, uh, when she, was, uh, she passed, she had her hands outside of her coffin. You know, her famous last words were, were this. She simply said, all of my possessions for a moment of time. Because you know what, what time, what gain is greatly affected by? Something that will always run out for each of us. Time. Time will get us eventually. You know, we think we have a lot of time. But, but none of us is guaranteed time. None of us understand that how, how really, how, how much we are in danger of eternity all the time. And time will get us. And time affects just the way we ought to view. Gain is less important in light of the time that we have versus the time that we're going to have. And, and, and gain is less important in light of actually of winning Christ. And our gain here is meant to be valued only in light of eternity. See, eternity is exceeding weight, the Bible says. It's greater value than the gain that we have here, which is light. It's less value. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 3, 13 to 14, happy is that is a man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding, for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Gain all you want, but have greater wisdom. Just don't, be, let it, don't let it be more valuable than eternity. And, and look at Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Notice verse 18. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good, save one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, behold, uh, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And notice his response when he heard this. He was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? You know what he missed? He, 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 his eyes were too much on the gains of this life. 
And what, what, he was, what he was unwilling to give up, he was unwilling to count as loss, cost him in the end. It cost him that life of fellowship. It cost him that life of, of satisfaction in Christ. And, and what, what he was, the, the Lord Jesus knew his heart. He was challenging about the very thing that was stopping him from following. It was this, his obsession with gain. He had gained a lot. And he wasn't willing to give that up. You know, I think about people that you, you sit with and you're, you're talking to about the gospel. You know, you, you ask them and they, they understand it. You can see the conviction. You can see that they understand that they're in danger of hellfire. That actually that the wages of sin is death. That, that, that conviction of that reality has started to seep into their heart. You know, so many times the answer that some give They'll go, oh, but then I'd have to give this up. What, what do you mean? But then I'd have to give up my, so that means I'm going to have to, and they've got a picture in their mind of the things that they're going to lose because they've gained Christ. But is that really a loss? No, they, they're going to they're go, there's so much that, you know, but how about this? I, I, do, do I have to give, give up my partying? Do I have to give up my friends? Do I have to? And they're talking about all of the, perceived loss, but actually, how, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? He's at a loss, and he doesn't even understand it. He's held on to much gain, and yet the reality of eternity should have been a far greater weight, and so we see gain, yet the Bible tells us there's loss. And you know what we, we do? We, we, need, we need, it's necessary for profit. You know, here's what we think. We think if we get enough gain, then our gains will outweigh our losses, and that's how you make a profit. And mathematically, that's true, isn't it? Economically, that's true. We want to mitigate our losses so that our gains can, at the end of it, are far greater, and that's a profit. But you know, the, the Bible tells us here that, that the Apostle Paul, he says, those things I counted. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. You know what he's saying? Loss is necessary for profit. So you're going to have to lose some things. And we read that earlier in the book of Mark. If you lose your life for Christ and the gospel's sake, what, you're going to keep it. And many times we don't want loss. You know, we don't want to make a loss. We don't, we don't want, we, we want to keep things. We want to make sure that we're, we don't want to suffer loss. We don't want to, we don't want to risk it and, and maybe find that it's nothing. We don't want to give things up because, well, I've got it. And many times we can be like those children and we don't want to give up the bigger thing that we think is more valuable for actually the greater weights of eternity. And we don't want to suffer a loss in our mind. We don't want to suffer damage or defeat. We don't want to incur a loss. And yet the Bible tells us, He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And again, we note that gain, 
gain is given us and gain is something that we acquire, but, but loss is actually something that we have to decide. Loss is something where we've got to decide what to do with that gain. And if we're willing to give up what we have gained and we, we have to give up those ambitions and those plans and those, the gaining of life, and it's all about that, that, that decision. And you know, the really, when it comes down to it, there's only two types of losses. There's loss for self's sake. You know, when we live for self, then there's an actual loss there. When we live for self, it only ever goes as long as we live. When it's a loss for self, then it's always about the temporal and about the time now. Look at Luke chapter 12. We were just in the book of Luke. Look at Luke chapter 12. And notice verse 16. It says, He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much good laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall all those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. He was saying there's actually a real loss there. Saying he kept it for himself. You know, that's a loss for self's sake. And we see that this, even in the things that we do in our body that appears to be for the Lord, we, we, we go about and we try to self, uh, look, we try to, try to uh, make an appearance. And so many times, the, our lack of willingness actually to sacrifice and incur loss for self that's the thing that hinders the true riches, the greater gain. And greed in the Christian is one that not only incurs loss for self, but actually loss for eternity. And yet what we find is not only is there loss for self's sake, but then really the only, the only other thing is loss for God's sake. And what Paul counted loss was for gain because it was for the Lord. And, and notice again, look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, and I know we're turning to Many scriptures today, I hope you're keeping up. Mark chapter 10. Notice what he says in verse 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And he was saying, Peter was saying, you know, I've, I've suffered great loss for you, Lord. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But many that are the first shall be last and the last first. He was saying there that, that this, this loss you've incurred, Peter, 
has come back with great again. Those things that you think were, you've accounted from an earthly point of view as a loss, you've, you've, allowed, you've, you've decided to suffer loss for my sake, he's saying you've actually gained a hundredfold. And I think about that. I think about that in my own life. And there's, there's times where I think about what I could have done. You ever do that? You know, you could have been doing this. You know, I, we, my, my kids ask me that all the time. You know, I had different opportunities as a young person. And they're saying, Dad, do you think if you got that, if you went ahead with that internship, what do you think our life would be like? And I said, I don't know. You know, and sometimes we'd, we'd, we'd play, play it silly and say, oh, we'll probably, you know, we'll probably live on a, in a penthouse in Sydney somewhere. And, and yes, you guys would all be this and that. And, and sometimes we joke a little bit about that. But I think about the, the fact that, you know, all of that, I decided that's loss. I'm just count it, I'm going to count it from gain to, this, to a loss for Christ. And I think about the life that God has given us, and I'll tell you what, it's the best life. Now, I got to meet you all. That's a good thing. Some of you are like, well, but I didn't get to meet you. All right, but. <laughs> and I'm saying that I look at that, and I, that's practical in my mind. I think about the different places that, if I needed to and I went there, I've got a house there. And not because I own it, because I have brothers and sisters in Christ who own it. <laughs> and I get to stay there. And you, you've hosted some in your house. And I've got a greater family than I would have ever dreamed if I had just gone on with the life that I was going to live. And many of you, you look around and you're, 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 you're thinking too earthly. You're thinking about all of the gain that, that you should have had when actually you're supposed to be counting the loss instead. That, that God's, God's economy is actually, it's, a, it's an investment economy and the way we invest is we, if we count loss and we suffer loss and we're willing to give those things up that, that really in the end will be accounted as a loss anyway. It's something that we're supposed to look at this life and we go, this life is temporary. This life, in all of its substance, it's all empty and vain, and we better look at what it is for eternity and what it is that we're willing to suffer loss. You know, I think about so many that I've sat with over the years who were at that decision point. They really felt like the Lord was working on their heart. They really felt like they were meant to do this or that for the Lord, and, and yet they, they just couldn't get there. But I think about those who did. I think about a Brother Soren, who we had, he was our guest speaker this year for our youth camp. And I think about the potential that he had. I remember he was sitting there. He had, he had things lined up in Sydney. He had, he had, a, he had a, a, a job directly with American Express. He had other things that were just there because of the gain of his family connections. And I think about all of that. And I remember the day he sat there and he said, Pastor, God's called me to Sri Lanka. And I think about his ministry there. And I think about the, the times when we talk and just, just the things that God's allowed him to do and see and, and be. And, and you know, I, I often think about what he could have done in the financial world, what he could have done in different, uh, different spheres of life. But I'll tell you what, if he was here today, he would say the same thing as I did. He has the best life. And I will tell you that too many of us, we don't want to go from gain to loss. We're, too, we're too, too much about the gain. And we won't give that up. 
and, and we won't sacrifice. And we won't go, you know what, uh, I'm going to count it as loss. And, you know, we get surprised because one day we're going to find out what profits. And go, go, to, go, to, go back to Mark chapter, chapter 8. We're already in the book of Mark, but we'll be nearly done. And he asked that question, what shall it profit a man? You know, you, you, you've got to, got to understand, often we think pro- that profit is the same thing as gain. But, but gain is only a part of it. Something only profits if we've measured the gain as more valuable than the loss. And we've, we've, incurred, we've incurred that loss in making that profit. There's no profit for anyone to gain all this world if he loses his own soul. Why? Because the soul is far more valuable than all the world. You understand, there's a lot of money in the world, isn't there? There's a lot of perceived value in the world. But he's saying all of that doesn't measure up to one soul. Your soul. A soul that's eternal. A soul that, that actually Jesus was willing to shed his blood and die for on the cross of Calvary. He's saying, what shall it profit a man to if he gained this whole world and loses his own soul? And, and the question begs to be asked, what does your gain cost you? You know, all of the things that, that actually it's costing you, you know, there's no gain without actual cost. And you've got to count your gain or your, as loss. And the question posed included this detail, to gain you will incur a loss. To, to gain for eternity, to profit for eternity, there needs to be a loss. Any loss that you incur here in this life for Christ, it's got eternal value. Any gain that is earthly is not actually true gain. It costs you something eternal. And that rhetorical question he asks in, in exchange for his soul, you know, the, there's, a, there's an implied answer, it's invaluable. You can't. You can't put a price for eternity for your soul. Many have tried, but all have been found wanting. And, and for the sake of time, we won't turn there, but in Psalm 73, you know, the, the psalmist was just wondering why. Why, did the, why all of these in the world, they just seem to be, getting all this gain. And he talks about how he understood when he went into the house of God. And you know, that the point I'm making is this, you know, for all of us who are God's people, we should have, we should have that understanding. We should understand that actually in all of this life, in all of our gaining, one day it'll be accounted as lost. So we better just decide that it's lost now. We better decide that we're willing to sacrifice and we're willing to count it as loss and we're willing to just decide that all of that, it should just mean that we have an opportunity for eternity. And what does making a profit truly mean? True profit in this life can only stem from making the eternal greater value than what's temporal. Where's your perspective? Is it eternal or temporal? I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I will be loved. You know what? He was willing to be spent. He was willing to spend and be spent. He was willing to incur a loss, even though it didn't, from an earthly perspective, give him any gain. 
and all of the riches of this world, it'll mean nothing if we won't be delivered from that certain destruction and the certain loss of it. And you know, at the end of the day, we're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And boy, I'll tell you that there's no more fearful thing in my mind than the judgment seat of Christ. You know what's going to hang in the balance there? All of your gains and losses. And, and, and it's going to burn before your eyes and it's going to burn before every one of our and every man will receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And, and you know, that's not speaking about our salvation. It's speaking about how we went about our lives as Christians, whether we've gained and whether we've been willing to incur a loss. And that's how you make a profit. You know, your, 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 your attitude and our spirit toward loss and towards suffering loss in our lives, that's going to matter in eternity. And that's the kind of investing that God's calling us to do. What are you investing in? What are you willing to count as loss? What are you willing in all of the, the gaining that God has given you? What are you willing to, to transfer from that side of the ledger to the other? Because when God accounts for it, actually all of the loss that we have is gain. What for the excellency of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, all of us here, we have an opportunity. All of us here, we have gifts and talents and abilities and God has given us means. And, and the, the reality is this, will, will, are we living for now? Or are we living for what's to come? Are we living with that as the greater reality or is this the only reality we care about? Because at the end of the day, God looks at gain and that's going to be lost in one day. It'll be lost to the burning of this, this world. It'll, the fervent heat will melt it away. Are we counting it as loss and looking at that and going, you know, I want to use it. I want to use it because God matters, because eternity matters. And what we're going to see one day is it's just going to be, it'll be revealed whether we've profited or not. And a life of faith means that we're, we're more thrilled and we're more enthralled with the unseen than, than we are with the seen. And what we consider gain isn't at all gain if it's all about now. And what we see as loss isn't at all loss if we consider it for the eternal. And so what do we do with the balance? That'll be the prophet we'll see one day. Let's pray. And Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. And Lord, I know that there's many, many things, dear God, that I guess... Lord, that are in this life that we see so differently to you. And I believe, Lord God, that, that so many times we, what we consider as a sacrifice and a loss, Lord, you consider as a great gain. And really it adds up to a life lived for you. I pray, dear God, that you'd help us this morning as we consider these things to just allow your spirit to work in our hearts. And Lord, perhaps commit ourselves again, Lord, to... Lord, to allow your spirit to lead us, Lord, in, in, Lord, in, in serving you and sacrificing for you and, Lord, in laboring for you. And that, Father, dear God, in all of that, as we are willing to incur loss in this life, that, Father, indeed, you would show us great reward and show us great profiting in the time to come. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. We're